Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Book of Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to read a few verses out of, or a verse rather out of chapter 4 as well. Remember, next Sunday in the evening service is our last Connect service, part of the Connect series. And so uh, along the way, we connected to God, we've connected to each other, and we're going to connect to the church next Sunday night. And so come and be a part of that, and that will be leading up then to the Connect session with all volunteers or those desiring to be volunteers in the month of January, January the 5th, I believe that Saturday is. And so, please, you don't want to miss that. That's the Sunday prior to Christmas Eve and Christmas and all that stuff. And you can just hone out a spot and show up. It'll be great. You'll have a better Christmas Eve and Christmas if you do. Praise the Lord. Amen. It would be quite ironic to not show up for the service prior to when you're celebrating the birth of the Lord. But I'm just saying. But nevertheless, amen. Joshua tonight, Midian Joshua. Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 17. We want the Lord to help us tonight. We've been uh, kind of toying with this sermon for a couple of weeks. And uh, I don't know. We'll just see what the Lord does. Joshua 3 verse number 17. The Bible says, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Joshua 4 and verse number 3 states these words. And command ye them, saying, this is Joshua speaking, take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, Ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. So they're passing over Jordan, passing over Jordan. They're entering to the promised land. This is what they've been 40 some odd years in the works on in reality. They're coming to Jordan. They're passing over. The priests get to the Jordan. It parts. They stand in the middle of the Jordan for everybody to pass by. They exit Jordan. The waters go back. But while they were still standing in the middle of Jordan, Joshua said, this is the word of the Lord. Go grab some stones where the priest's feet stood firm. and Drop them off then on the other side of Jordan where you're making your exit. So tonight, I want to preach this with the help of the Holy Ghost. Where the priest's feet stood firm. Where the priest's feet stood firm. Amen. Will you ask tonight that the Lord would help us here for the next few minutes? Father, I come to you this evening and I need you tonight, Lord. I need, Lord Jesus, your spirit to speak, Lord, through these lips of clay. God, I know, Lord. God, the diligence, Lord, that I have given, Lord Jesus, to the study of this passage in your word. But I'm praying, God, that you would bring all things to my mind's remembrance. God, in the moment of time, God, that they need to be brought, God, for the purpose, Lord Jesus, of delivery, God, to this word this evening. God, make it understandable, God, to everybody under the sound of my voice. God, help us this evening by it. God, and we'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. 
Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, where the priest's feet stood firm. Everybody say feet. 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 The word itself may evoke some different feelings for different people whenever you say the word feet. Some people can't stand the thought of feet. Others despise their own feet. They may refer to them. I've heard people call their feet hideous. They're gross. I got ugly feet or they got ugly feet. Sometimes whenever people mention feet, some people squirm. It's just some concept or idea about feet. They're probably the lesser talked about area of our bodies. You know, people talk about their hands as people having a nice face and their eyes are pretty. But it's very seldom you just have people stand around and say they got some awesome feet. Gorgeous feet I seen the other day. You should have been there. It's probably the lesser talked about area of our bodies. Of course, unless you have a foot fetish and that's just your thing. But nevertheless, some are relieved by having footwear options so that they can hide or cover their feet. Glad that we have shoes, you know, so people's feet can be covered. And yet there are others that enjoy, of course, in the warmer months of the year, sandals or flip-flops. Some, though, even enjoy those all year long. doesn't matter what the temperature is. But I don't believe it's for the purpose of necessarily accentuating their feet. As much as it is, they just simply like the ease of wear or maybe the comfort that they offer. Just slip them off, slip them off. Let those feet breathe, you know. It doesn't have anything, I don't think, to do about look at my feet. There may be a few, but that population is probably small. There is no one foot or feet that are alike. There are large feet, small feet, fat, thick feet, narrow, petite feet. There's people that have problems, have flat feet. Some have overly arched feet. Some have hairy feet. <laughs> Stinky feet. Man, we're about ready to preach now, hallelujah. And yet in all of this discussion about feet and overall there seems to be a, a, a negative. People just don't have good feelings when people overall. I'm not, you might be the exception. And there was another person in the scripture that was an exception too. Whenever you go to Isaiah, while there's people talking about gross feet and hideous feet and I can't stand my own feet, Isaiah calls out and calls feet beautiful. He says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. The fact of the matter is this for Isaiah, that before there was instant messengers, before there was email, before there was snail mail, before there was the Pony Express, before there were honing pigeons, before there was homing pigeons, there was the messengers on foot. Walking and running, all times, men would carry the message to whomever the message was addressed to. That's how it got there. Not electronically, not by a bird, not by a pony, but it was men that walked or ran on foot carrying the message to whomever it was addressed. And whenever the watchman, as it was in those days, sat upon the wall, there's a particular place in Scripture this describes a watchman that's sitting on the wall, and he is the watchman of David. And he cries out to David, and he says, there's two men that are running. 
one by the name of Ahimaz, another one by the name of Cushai. And he says, each of them are running alone. And David's words to the watchman was this, there is tidings in their mouth, meaning that they have a message. They're running with their feet because they have a message to bear. And so as Isaiah described to us in Isaiah 52, what makes the feet of the messenger beautiful is the message that he's carrying in his mouth. In other words, if it was good tidings, then he had beautiful feet. Good tidings equaled beautiful feet. The feet, if you will, of the messenger was characterized by the integrity of the message. Or the feet of the messenger was categorized by what he was carrying, particularly in his mouth. The Apostle Paul picks up on this same concept and idea concerning feet in Romans 10, 15, whenever he, though, is underscoring the importance of a preacher and the preacher's message in the life of all humanity. The Bible says in Romans 10, 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Paul agreed on one thing for sure. There must be a preacher, yes. And he must have a message, yes. But it will be of no avail if he isn't sent. It will be of no advantage if he doesn't have feet. What's good a messenger without feet? What good is the message that he's carrying if the messenger doesn't have feet? The Bible says in Proverbs 26 and verse 6, Solomon writing and says, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. In other words, Solomon, this wise man, is telling us that a foolish man carrying a message isn't any different than a footless man carrying a message. That in both cases, the message sent will not be the message received. Because both the foolish and the footless cannot carry a message. For that matter, can't even support a message. Because they don't have any feet. And so Paul in the New Testament scripture, he hinges then. You read Romans 10. He is hinging the salvation of humanity. He is hinging the salvation of mankind, not just upon a message, not just upon the preacher, but upon a sent preacher that's carrying a message. If I can, he determined the salvation of all humanity upon a preacher that has some feet. Someone say amen. The command was clear in the scripture readings that we had in Joshua 3 and Joshua 4. Joshua was to have a man from each tribe, he told them that after they had passed over the Jordan River, that a man from each tribe was to go back then into the Jordan River in the midst where the priests were standing and they were to take up some stones that were at the priest's feet, one stone per each man of each tribe. So there was 12 stones that were taken up from the midst of the Jordan River from where the priest's feet, the Bible says, stood Steel. One version says it like this. Take up 12 stones from right where the priest stood. Another one says take up 12 stones from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. Because on the banks of their promised land, whenever they reached it, they were to take then those 12 stones and they were to heap them up 
they were to build a memorial out of those stones where the priest's feet had stood still. And that was to be a memorial and a testimony, not just to them, but for generations that were to come. There's something I want to draw your attention to tonight. That whenever the miracle of the Jordan River parting and the waters going back on one hand and the other hand, and the Bible says they heaped up on either side. Those waters, the miracle of them splitting, did not happen and they weren't able to walk across on dry ground until the priest's feet had touched the edge of the waters. And those priests did not stop at the edge of the waters according to scripture, but they continued to the midst or the middle of Jordan. And they stood firm there. They stood still there. The Bible says until this whole nation of Israel, and we are talking about hundreds of thousands of people that would cross over on dry ground. And when everything was accomplished and the last stone had been taken from their foot by one of the twelve tribes, the Bible Bible says it was then those feasts, pre, their feast, the, the, the priest's feet, I'll get it out of my mouth, that whenever in Joshua 4, whenever they exited that body of water, exited where the Jordan flowed, the Bible said that the waters returned right back where they had been. So when you understand this, it's the feet of the priest that made the entrance, it's the feet of the priest that kept it dry until everybody could pass over, and it was the feet of the priest whenever they were removed that allowed everything to flow right back to where it was as it had been before. Someone say amen. For that matter, the feet of the priest was so important that their feet had to be the first to move in this endeavor of getting to the land of promise. You can read of it in Joshua 3 and 4 that whenever the people, whenever the people left their tents, it was because the priest had moved. Whenever the people, amen, removed from their dwelling places, they did it whenever the priest went before them and their feet started to move. So whenever the priest's feet started to move, all of Israel started to move. And if the priest didn't move toward the promised land, Israel wasn't going to move toward the promised land. If the priest's feet didn't go into the Jordan, Israel wasn't going to go into Jordan, nor could they go into Jordan. Someone say amen. And had not the priest stayed in the middle of Jordan, then the lives of the whole nation of Israel would have been jeopardized had it not been for the feet of the priest. Now what makes, though, the Lord to decree that you go out there and take some of the stones under the feet of the priest. What, what makes the stones under the feet of the priest so precious? What makes those stones is so precious is this. What made what was under their feet precious was what they were carrying on their shoulders. Can you get my ark? This is Bishop's ark, but I'm going to borrow his ark. We're still in arks tonight. I need these four guys right here on this front pew to be my priest. Oh, they look very priestly. Hallelujah. Now guys, this is heavy. Put your shoulder under it. Come on, Bishop. Get them all under like they need to do. It's priest training. I'm sorry. We didn't have no formal training before this. This is priest training. Okay. Put it on your shoulder. Let it rest on your shoulder. The Bible says that they were to take these stones. And I, I probably, I, I want you to be able to see this. I don't have enough stones, but can you stand up on that right there? Amen. Can you stand up on this over here? Yeah, it might be a little wobbly. I don't know how. These are bishop stones too. <laughs> Get up on there. 
I hope you have small feet. <laughs> that's the reason why I didn't. That's the reason why I didn't choose the size 14s in here. He says, "I want you to come and take take the stones from where the priests stood still." But what makes the stone precious is what the priests were carrying on their shoulders. You say, Brother McGee, what's the big deal? Those stones are a far cry away from what is on their shoulders. But listen, folks, I've read, I've done the studying of science the past week, and I understand that our human bodies are intimately connected physiologically, amen, from the top of our head to the sole of our foot. The entire human body is connected. That's the reason why whatever you carry weight-wise on your shoulders is eventually going to be distributed to your feet. I mean, we, we've had conversations here lately with our kids talking about if your foot got stepped on by a high heel, you got stepped on by the point that that was going to hurt more if you was just stepped on with this. Oh, no. I said, yeah, because all of that weight is focused on just that point. Rather than the whole foot. So whatever is up on your body, whatever extra weight, whatever you're carrying, it's eventually going to be distributed to the feet. Meaning what the stones were feeling where the priests stood firm was the weight of the glory of God that was upon the shoulders of the priest. They did not go unaffected. And so these stones then, what makes them viable material for the memorial is that that's where the priest's feet stood. The pressure upon those stones was partly due to the weight that was upon their shoulders. The, 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 the weight that was upon the stones was due to the heaviness of what was upon their shoulders. And upon the shoulders of these particular priests, the Bible says, was the Ark of the Covenant, which inside was the golden pot of manna, which inside was Aaron's rod that budded. But for my purposes tonight, which inside was the law or the message? The message of God. The message wasn't in their mouth as Isaiah spoke of it. It wasn't in their lips like Isaiah said of it. But it was on their shoulders. But nonetheless, it still was a message. And it was a message that had feet. Someone say amen. So Josh was drawing the attention to the priest's feet because they carried a message and their shoulders were cloaked with the presence of the Almighty God, the Ark of the Covenant. If I say it like this, these priests, their feet was the support system and the vehicle for his presence and his message. Oh, brother, yeah, yeah. If you read Joshua 3, you will read in those 17 verses that the naming or the calling of the Ark of the Covenant is named or mentioned about 10 times in those 17 verses. It was important. The people removed and left their tents when the priest's feet that bear the Ark of the Covenant moved. It's not just about feet, but it's about feet that's carrying something of vital importance. They approached the Jordan River it's the time of harvest. Normally the Jordan was about, from my understanding, a hundred feet wide. But she is overflowing her banks. It's flood season. It's the time of harvest. She is anywhere to up to almost a mile wide now. 
what history says. A mile wide. And she's grown in depth. She's overflowing her banks. But the Bible says in gives specification that as soon as the priest's feet that bear the Ark of the Covenant, that bear the message, that bear the weight of his presence, as soon as they touch the water, the water's going to roll back on the left. It's going to roll back on the right because we got feet that are bearing the presence of the Ark and bearing the weight of the message. Someone say Amen. Chronicles tells us. You guys doing all right? Yeah, yeah, they're good. strong men, strong men. The Bible tells us that the priests bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with staves. Our staves are... <laughs> but they bear it upon their shoulders with, with staves. And that the priests' foot or feet rather stood firm upon the stones. Again, a man from each tribe was to take a stone from where the priests' feet stood firm... And they were to take that stone, you can look at the scripture, and place it upon their shoulders until they left the Jordan River and then leave it on the west bank of the Jordan River. Again tonight, this is important. He didn't just say follow any priest's feet into the Jordan. He said you follow the feet of the priests who have the weight of the Ark of the Covenant upon he didn't say go get stones from where any priest had make a, a, a path through the, 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 the Jordan River. No, no, no. But the priest who had shouldering the weight of the presence of the message, if you will. Upon It wasn't just when any priest exited Jordan that she came back. But whenever those feet that bore the weight of God's presence and power upon their shoulders, when they exited, it was to take place. Now listen, during this time, someone say amen. amen. During this time, the common man couldn't place the Ark of the Covenant upon his shoulders. All right? No, no normal Joe could come up and say, hey, I'll bear the Ark on my shoulders. No, he's going to be a dead man before it's all said and done. The common man couldn't place the Ark of God upon his shoulders. It was not allowed. It had to be somebody of the tribe of Levi. It had to be somebody of the tribe of Levi. It had somebody that was given that distinct row. It had to be somebody that had that call. And so, but they then decided, Brother Zach McGee, if I can't put the ark on my shoulders, I'll do the next best thing that I can do. I'll put on my shoulders what had the weight of the ark of the covenant upon it. What are you saying? He said, I'm going to take one of these stones where the weight of the ark rested upon their body, rested upon their feet, and their feet upon the stone. I can't bear the ark, but if I can bear what bore the weight... If I can bear what bore the weight of the message, bear what bore the weight of the ark, he said, then I'll be still to some degree carrying what they carry. If you if you'll just allow me to bear what what was bearing the weight of the ark, I'll in essence be bearing and carrying what they carried upon their shoulders, upon my shoulders. Can someone say, Amen? Someone say stones. What I'm telling you tonight is this. I'm not asking anyone, please listen to me tonight. And this is no feather nest sermon. I'm just preaching. This is in the making for two weeks. But listen to me tonight. I'm not asking anyone, and we've said this before. I'm not asking anyone to join the ranks of the priesthood. I'm not asking anyone, amen, to join the ranks of a pastorate. I'm not asking anyone to take upon your shoulders a calling that has not been given to you. I'm not asking that. But I am imploring you tonight to pick up some stones where my feet have stood. 
You don't have to pray as long as I do, but find some time to pray. You don't have to read five or ten chapters from the Bible every day, but read a portion every day. You don't have to study the Bible almost every day of the week, but familiarize yourself with its passages and with its scriptures. You might not be called to bear that ark, but you can pick up where the weight of the ark has rested. Some would say amen. The priest stood in the middle of an overflowing Jordan so the people could make their way across. Are you listening to me? And if their actions were that important, important enough that the people could have made it across from the wilderness to their promised land without the priest standing, if that was necessary in order for them to make it across, then perhaps I should use the stones where they stood firm and put it on my shoulder as a memorial to underscore the significance of where they stood, how they stood. Someone say amen. Brother McGee, you're not making any sense. Well, let me break it down for you. Here are some of the stones, I believe, where priests, preachers, and pastors, evangelists are standing today that the laity need to take on their shoulders and it'll be your way of bearing the weight and the presence of his message. I stand on Jesus' name baptism. I stand on Jesus' name baptism. Take a stone that I stand on called the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other's tongues. I stand on holiness of heart and holiness of lifestyle. What are you saying, Brother McGee? Where the priest's feet stood firm, somebody needs to grab, get off of it. Somebody needs to grab that stone, amen, and pick it up and say, I can't bear the ark, but I can carry on my shoulders where the weight of his glory and the... I'm saying I stand on Jesus' name, baptism. Somebody says, you know what? I'm going to accept that. His foot stood there firm. It got us from where we are to the promise. I'm going to put it on my shoulders. You can get back up there. I'm sorry. I'll take someone else's next time. Where the priest stood firm. What are you standing on? What's allowing the nation to get from wilderness to the promised land? I'll tell you what. I stand on tithing and offering. I stand on tithing and offerings. Why? Because there is a weight on my shoulder. The weight of his presence, the weight of his message compelled them to stand firm. Water is rolling on the left side. Water is rolling on the right side. It'd be easy to get intimidated and say, forget this, I'm going through. No, no, they stood firm there because the weight of the glory and the voice and the message of the Lord said, that's where I want you to stand. Somebody needs to grab one of those stones and own it for yourself and place it upon your shoulders, a stone where the priest's feet stand firm. I stand on Jesus Christ being the express image of the only almighty God. I believe in one God. I stand on that. I stand on the commands written in scripture about praising God. I stand on the verses in scripture that talk about worshiping God. About how I cannot damn up worship. Worship is something that's natural that happens for anybody in church or out of church. But I can't control what the object of my worship is. I stand on that. I stand upon the premise. Listen to me now. I stand on the stone and the premise firm upon faithfulness to your God, to your church, and to your pastor. I 
I stand on the stone of believing that there is a heaven to obtain and a hell to shun. I stand on the fact that the Bible is the infallible word of God and he's coming back to our people. That's made herself ready. He's coming back to our people. That's a part of the church. And if you're not part of the church, he's not coming back for you. I stand on that. Because you go out there where the priest's feet stood firm. Because wherever their feet stand, that has a connection to the message. Their feet is an example of the message. Someone say amen. And so I'm asking here this evening, is there anybody at 1121 Cedar Street that could somehow grab a stone of tithing or a stone of Jesus' name baptism or a stone of having a heaven and shunning a hell? Could someone grab a stone where we try to keep our feet as priests standing firm where the weight of his glory is upon them, where the message, amen, is resting upon them and somebody take those things and make a memorial out of them for you and generations to come. They stood firm. Because they stood firm, Israel had a path to promise. Hear me? Because they stood firm, Israel had a path to their promised land. And the reason why I know this is because is when they got up out of where the Jordan normally flowed and they removed their feet, thus removed the pressure of the weight of his glory and his message when they remove their feet from the Jordan the Bible says the water comes rushing right back to where the Jordan was because you, you, you have the absence of their feet standing firm and it will allow anything and everything to continue as it always has I don't know if everybody's grabbing what I'm tossing out here and there amen tonight because see they were in the Jordan that's literally the river of death the river of descent Without an ark-bearing priest standing firm in the midst of it, the surge of Jordan just keeps on flowing. The surge of Jordan just keeps on. Now listen to me. You guys doing all right? You don't have to worry about going to sleep though tonight, do you? Nope, you fall over if that happens. Gotcha. The conquest, listen to me. The conquest and the ownership of the land followed. Everybody say followed. Followed the memorializing of the stones where the priest's feet stood firm. In other words, they didn't take victory in the land or ownership in the land until they took stones where the priest's feet had stood and placed them upon their own shoulders. Someone say amen. Joshua told them this. He said, hereby ye shall know. That God is among you and will drive your enemies out before you. You know what the rest of the scripture says? I'm paraphrasing here. He says, hereby shall you know that God is for you and driving them out before you. He said this in so many words. Just watch the feet of the priest. Just watch the feet of the priest. They'll make an entrance for you. They'll provide a path for you. And then (laughs) they'll get out of the water and make it impossible for you to turn back. 
talk about where the priest's feet were, but more importantly, about those priests had the presence of God on their shoulders and the weight of the message there. And so it's important you watch where the people that are carrying the weight of his presence and his message, you watch their feet. They'll make a way where there isn't a way. They'll provide a path for you to walk and they'll also pause, if you will, a, a wall to where you don't need to go back through. Thank God for priests that have some feet that will carry the message and carry, if you will, the presence of God. See, Moses had helped the children of Israel out of bondage, but Joshua would be instrumental in helping them into their promised land. In many respects, Joshua completes Moses. Moses brought him to it, but Joshua helped get them through it. Amen. And in order for Joshua to completely complete Moses, there had to be a memorial erected on the banks of the promised land where the feet priests had stood firm. Someone say amen. This is interesting in me for thousands of years, literally thousands of years, literature even bears this out. Before the Israelites ever conquered Canaan, before they ever conquered their promised land, all of these Canaanite cities that they would dwell in were systematically set up that they had a strong military that could aid one another whenever there were battles, meaning that they were virtually impregnable. They were virtually incapable, amen, of being overtaken. Yet, Joshua and his people invade that same land and within one generation had displaced almost the entire population. Why? Because someone made a memorial out of stones where the feast priests, the priest's feet had stood firm. Someone said, man, oh, what's the significance? I believe it's this. Because they took upon their shoulders what the priests had upon their shoulders. They took upon their shoulders what the priests had under their feet but was receiving the weight and the pressure of what was on their shoulders. They said, I'm going to take, I'm going to take what, where they stood firm with. I'm going to put it on my shoulders and I'm going to make a memorial out of it. I believe that helped them overcome some things in the land that they were faced with some opposition because they took ownership of what some of the priests took ownership of. This message that we carry as a priest, as a pastor, is more than just something I teach about and preach about and just propagate and say it's a good suggestion and idea. No, I want you to take ownership of it. Because this is going to help you in the conquest of your lands. Mm, someone say amen. See, the memorial wouldn't just remind them of the path that was made in the Jordan, but it could enthuse them to such a degree about the inroads they could make in the Canaan that was still ahead of them. Now watch me now. We doing all right? 32? Okay. We're good. Exodus 28 and 12. You guys doing good? Learning how to balance on a stone? Your legs are hurting? You want to step off the stone? No, your feet are firm. Okay. Exodus 28 and 12. Man, they might be priests yet someday. Exodus 28 and 12. And thou shalt put the stones. Hey, Listen. And thou shalt put the stones of the, upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of a memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Does anybody like to give up their stones that I could use? Are you growing weak? Was that weakness that spoke? In the beginning... Listen to me. In the beginning with the high priest, he had a stone on each shoulder. It was not a stone like this, folks, please. It was a, it was a, it was 
a better stone, like onyx stone. It was much finer than this that he had upon his shoulders. The Bible speaks of. He had one on each shoulder upon those stones. I know the kids are cute, but I'd like you to really listen to me, okay? Upon the stones was written six names of the tribes on either stone. It was upon the shoulders of the priests. He would then walk into, this was part of his guard, he would walk into the presence of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was with those 12 names represented on those two stones. He would bear the names of the tribes before the presence of God on those two stones by taking them on his shoulders, those two stones before the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says they would be a memorial before God the Lord. And so the priest is entering the presence of the Lord, bearing the names of the people on his shoulders as a memorial. Someone say amen. But now, at this juncture in the road, the people are commanded to take stones where the priest's feet had stood and take the stones and place them on their shoulders Stones that had been in the presence of the Lord upon their shoulders. And then go lay them down as a memorial before the Lord. Someone say amen. In the beginning, the priest is carrying the stone. It was the people in essence into the presence of God, reminding God of the people. But later, the people were to grab stones where God's presence was. And exit those stones them being a reminder to them of their God. At one time, the priest constantly carried the people to God. But on the other hand, the people carried something from the presence of God reminding them of him. See, there's a shift. It was no longer the responsibility here of the priest to take the people to God. It was now their responsibility to get where God's presence was and take something out of his presence that would remind them of God. Sometimes we get trapped in the concept of the priest that he's constantly taking us to the presence of God. But somewhere along the way, we need a Jordan River experience that we can go where the priest's feet is already stand firm and still. And we need to pick that up that's been under the power of God's presence and might and say, I'm taking that with me. You don't have to take me to his presence. I'm going to his presence and I'm going to take something out of there home. I'm taking something. jagged rocks but let me tell you if they were in the middle of Jordan they're not looking like that everybody got a rock out of Jordan or out of a river what happens they're proven rocks right they've already endured the rush of the current huh? some of y'all picking up some rocks you don't need to pick up you need to drop and you need to pick up some rocks that's already been pr- Honey, I don't need some new philosophy or some new angle on scripture. Just give me this thing that's been written for eons of time and let me pick up that and put it on my shoulders and bear it out of the presence of the Lord because it's already tried, it's already true, it's already made an entrance, it's already provided a path and it's gonna keep me from going back. Let me make a memorial out of stones where the priest's feet have stood still. Someone say amen. Come to a crows. I don't want to wear these guys out. They won't be able to go to school tomorrow. 
There's always got to be one of them, and it's got to be the pastor's son. So at Jordan, they're carrying his presence rather than the people. But the people's picking up something that's been in his presence, impacted by his presence. If you'll stand with me tonight, I'll bring this to a close as quickly as possible. And you guys can stand, get off those if you want to. Or if you just like it, then stand there till Jesus comes. Here's the fact of the matter, folks. Things will not always be convenient and clear-cut in our Christian walk. There are times that we will be staring at an intimidating Jordan, overflowing its banks, and it will absolutely oppose our forward movement to inheriting our promise and claiming ownership of what God has said is ours. But it's in those moments of uncertainty. It's in those moments of uncertainty that we must trust the feet of the priests because they're under the weight of his presence and they're carrying a God-given message. You can know with confidence if you trust the feet of the priests, ark-bearing priests, a way will be made, a path will be forged. The old song used to say this, and I'm not recommending this for singing, I'm just saying the old song used to say this, got any rivers? You think are uncrossable? Got any mountains? You can't tunnel through? God specializes in the impossible. And he can do what no other power can do. So what are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying take a stone then from where the priest's feet stood firm and make it a memorial in your generation for generations to come. Because let me tell you something, folks. There's some things where I try to plant my feet in the river of descent and death. That somebody tonight, somebody needs to be willing to take the stone of Jesus' name baptism. Is there anybody that will take the stone of Jesus' name baptism tonight? None of y'all, huh? Somebody take a stone. You need to put that on your shoulders. You need to bear that. See, somebody needs to take a stone tonight where my feet are standing firm. Anybody want to take the holiness of heart and lifestyle? Yeah, that's not a popular one to pick up, is it? Holiness of heart and lifestyle? Well, you need to take that. See, that, that, that's where they stood in order for a path to be made, from here to the promise. You understand what I'm saying? The weight of his glory was upon. Does somebody want to take the stone of one God? Uh, in a population and society talking about tritheistic and all of this stuff. Anybody want to anybody take the oneness of God? That's a stone we need to place upon our shoulders. We need to make a memorial of. Anybody want to take the gift of the Holy Ghost? And I'm not talking about a second blessing like some want to talk about. I'm talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced in speaking another tongue. Sister Angie says, I'll take that. I'll put that up. I'll take that stone where the priest stood firm and I'll put that upon my. Anybody want to take tithing and offerings? Hey, hallelujah, glory, amen. Tithing and offering, he says, I'm going to take that stone. That's a place. What about praise and worship? Sister Jen says, I'll take praise and worship. I'm going to put that. I might not be able to bear the Ark of the Covenant, but I can bear where the weight of his presence was impressing and standing. Anybody want to take faithfulness to God, the church, and their pastor? Put that on your shoulders. Put that. Let the weight of that. Whenever you put that on your shoulders, the weight of his presence had been on that. And you just put. So in essence, you got what they had on their shoulders to a degree upon your shoulder. 
Does anybody, anybody want to take the stone of a heaven to obtain and a hell to shun? She says, I'll take that. I'll put, anybody want to take the Bible's the infallible word of God? Huh? It's truth. It's absolute. Amen. Sits back here. She says, I'll put that upon my shoulders. Anybody want to take the stone that whenever we talk about the rapture, we're not talking about some cunningly cunningly devised fable, but it's real. We talk about the catching away of the church. We need to put that on your shoulder. Now listen to me. Here's the importance. Each tribe took one stone. Hear me? Each tribe took one stone where the priest's feet stood firm. But whenever they got over on the other side of Jordan, they put all their stones together. You hear me? They put all their stones together as the memorial. In other words, it just wasn't the word of God that stood as a memorial. It wasn't just, well, tithing and offering stood as a memorial. I didn't say it like that. But it was tithing and offering grouped with one God, grouped with Jesus' name, baptism, grouped with holiness, the whole package. The whole package. That was a memorial. Now listen to me. I'm closing. I really am, guys. I know you're getting tired. You'll be all right. You're young. You know what Joshua said? Joshua 421. He says, you make a memorial over here. Not just of all tithing and giving or all Jesus' name. No, no. You put all your stones together. You make a memorial over here. You know why? He says, because someday, you're listening to me, your children are going to come. Your children are going to come. And they're going to ask this question. What meaneth these stones? What's all about this baptism in Jesus' name? What's all about this holiness of heart and lifestyle? What's all about this faithfulness to the church and to the pastor and to God? What's about all of this stuff? What does all of this mean? (laughs) And notice what Joshua said. This should be your response. Your response doesn't need to emphasize the individual stones. Your response doesn't need to emphasize even the priest of the Lord. Why? Why, Joshua? They don't need to emphasize those. Listen, listen. Because the significance of what was under their feet was due to what was on their shoulders. You know what he told them? You tell them, God has made us an inroad, brought us through, and brought us out. The feet are beautiful, and the stones are precious, because God is a mighty good God. Whenever you make that, people then are not going to just see old tithing and offering. Oh, holiness. No, they see the whole package. And the whole package is this, an explanation of the goodness and the keeping power and hand of God. He does it in our baptism. He does it in our Holy Ghost. He does it in our holiness. He does it in our giving. He does it in our knowing he who he is. He does it in our praise. He does it in our worship. It's not it's just in one of those facets. But on those facets together, we see the handiwork of a good God. We can close our eyes. Guys, you can do whatever you want to do. You can march in place as far as I'm concerned. But tonight, it's where the, feast, where the priest stood firm. I hope that I can leave this life 
I hope I can leave this life. And that I put, listen to me, that I put emphasis where the message put emphasis. You hear me? That I underscored and capitalized what God, the weight of his glory on my shoulders, underscored and capitalized. The reason why we talk about some things in this church repetitively over and over again, I'll tell you why. Not because we're on just some, you know, Vandette of our own, but because we feel as men of God that the scripture speaks on these terms over and over again. They're important enough that we just got to plant our feet firm there. Because we're trying to get a whole nation from one side of the bank of Jordan to the other side of the bank of Jordan. And we're hoping along the way somebody will pick up a stone where our feet has been to be a memorial for their generation and generations to come. Brother McGee, I don't know if I'll ever be a pastor. You might not be, but that doesn't keep you from grabbing the stone from where his presence has been. I don't know if I'll ever be a Sunday school teacher, Brother McGee. You may never be, but that doesn't keep you from grabbing the stone from where the priest's feet stood firm and place it on your shoulders. We at times, your times, you'll be at different venues of your life. There'll be times I'll carry you in as a name on my shoulders before God. But just as much as there's those times, let there also be times you enter God's presence and you walk out with a stone of responsibility on your own shoulder. Go to where the feast where the priest's feet stands firm. Oh, can we begin to talk to God tonight all across this place? He'll make an entrance. He'll make a path. But he'll also get up out of that so it will blockade your route back to where you came from. It'll blockade your past. It will blockade what was. Hallelujah. Someone grab a tried stone tonight. Someone grab a proven stone tonight. God, I'm going to make a memorial out of this. This is going to be my reminder. This is going to be the testimony that I need and generations will need for years to come. Where the stones, where the priest's feet stood still. Can we call out to the Lord right now? Can somebody make a declaration? Can somebody just rededicate tonight? Lord, it's Jesus' name, baptism, and nothing else. It's holiness of heart and lifestyle. That's what God's expectations are of me. It is tithing. It is giving. It's all of this stuff where their feet was. The feet of those that bore the ark. The feet of those that bore the presence. Those are beautiful feet. Those are admirable feet. Those are precious stones. They've been impacted and they felt the weight of his glory and his presence. Let's talk to God here for a little bit. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's still true and it's still real. It's brought generation after generation to the promised land. Same memorial, same stone, same package. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.